Rich Hill almost throws a no-hitter, and Erod struggles, just as we all predicted. All today on Locked on Tigers. You are Locked on Tigers, your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked on Tigers. I'm, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. Today is Thursday, May 18th, 2023. Thank you so much for making Locked on Tigers your first listen every single day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Alrighty, well, the Tigers get absolutely destroyed at home against the Pittsburgh Pirates on Wednesday afternoon by a score of 8 to nothing. Uh, the offense was absolutely dreadful in this ball game, and we will get to that certainly. Uh, but you know, sometimes I've made a comment throughout the season where uh, sometimes, as an analyst, there are plays or situations or games that are either so good or so bad where there's very little analysis to actually be had because it's just that awful or that great where you're like, this is not sustainable either direction and so there's no really point of even breaking this down this is not one of those ball games uh, I actually have a lot to say about this game not necessarily like a deep dive on the offense and why it was awful they were absolutely horrific this was one of the worst offensive displays of the entire season uh, but there's just there was a lot of things that happened in this baseball game that I feel like I want to address and, and kind of break down. So, which is great for, for me and hopefully you. Uh, but it's just, it's weird because there's not too many times where the Tigers lose eight to nothing, get one hit in an absolute dud of a baseball game. And yet I have, I am like chomping at the beat, bit and, and have a lot to say about it. So, th this, while again, dud of a game, still very eventful, weirdly which I, I, I'm not used to and it is kind of strange, but we'll take it, okay? So I, I think, oh, I don't know where to start. I guess we'll start chronologically uh, just for sake of, I don't know, organization. Sure, uh, let's start chronologically. So before this baseball game even starts, Riley Green is not in a starting lineup and all heck breaks loose, rightfully so. A.J. Hinch, I really like A.J. as a manager. I still think that he is the man for this job. I want him to be the manager going forward. I think he's very good at his job. Uh, I also understand that a lot of people don't to each their own. Not going to tell you how to feel. Uh, I, I, And he's a very platoon-heavy manager, right? He likes to play matchups, and he likes to get uh, his advantages and whatnot. Uh, this decision to not put Riley Green in the game, absolutely infuriated me, and I really disagreed with it, uh, which uh, in AJ's tenure, by and large, I have not had very many of those situations. This is very much one of them. Uh, Riley Green, first off, just off rip, when I think of Riley Green, the Detroit Tiger, and, and think about the future of this franchise, I don't pencil in Riley Green as a platoon player going forward. That's... For starters, okay, first off. That's one of my biggest things right away. But 
if he proves to you that he is, then you have to do it. Okay? You have to play with what you have. And if he was a platoon-style hitter, then so be it. And that's how you have to play him, and that's how you have to – It's you're the manager. That's how you have to, to deal with that. As a pro, before he was a major leaguer, so all throughout the minors, Riley Green's lefty-righty splits were very similar. And actually, at some points in his minor league journey, he was actually better against lefties than righties. So, again, I don't envision Riley Green as becoming a platoon player. At the major league level this season, he he is hitting better against righties than lefties, okay? Uh, but it's not like he's batting – he has like a 400 OPS – against lefties and a 900 against righties like ones in the 700s and ones in the 600s it's not some dramatic unbelievable difference okay so so that is all part of this thing in which I'm frustrated about this decision not to mention that he's on an absolute flaming hot streak right he has been in fuego he has an OPS of almost a thousand in the month of May and to top it all off Rich Hill throws this just annoying is the word big loopy 70 mile an hour curveball and Riley Green on the season is crushing breaking balls crushing them his stats against breaking balls specifically are are phenomenal all of that equates if I'm the manager to playing Riley Green and, and having him hit two or three again as we have done Throughout this entire season. So that already frustrated me. Matt Veerling gets the nod in center field. While Matt Veerling is certainly better against lefties than righties. He has been dreadful in the month of May. His OPS is under 600 on the season. I just didn't like it. And then we'll get to the, the defensive thing. We'll get to the Veerling play. That, that has to be discussed. We'll, we'll get to that. But I'm just talking about offense right now. All of this led to a very, very frustrating, before the game even started, uh, just something that I didn't really understand. And and as someone who uh, I I try to take into account all different viewpoints on how people interpret the game of baseball, the old school mentality, the new school analytics stuff, I, I try to not walk a line, but really hear out both sides. Um, and... This was just one where I, AJ is obviously more analytical and, and really likes to do the platoon matchups. This is one I did not understand immediately. Um, I, now, that all being said, I'm not against AJ's righty-lefty pl- different lineups based on that right opposing pitcher handness in general. I'm not against it. And I know it frustrates a lot of people, but uh, currently the – numbers the OPS for this team against right-handed starters and left-handed starters are almost identical that like the single digit difference in OPS between right-handed starters and left-handed starters and as a whole right so just overall all righties and all lefties the Tigers hit better against lefties than righties so far on the season at least going into this ball game I guess that's probably going to drop given how Rich Hill absolutely sliced and diced us. But going into this game, those were the numbers against it. So, yeah, he's he's at least against starters matching production with his lineups, depending on if it's a righty or lefty on the mound. 
And, and, and I'll take that. That's the goal of the platoon. To be able to, to have similar production no matter who is on the bump for the opponent. So I, that's just something I wanted to start with was like I, I was very, very frustrated and heavily disagree with the Riley Green decision. Um, but on the whole as a season, on the whole in the season rather, goodness, um, it, it – it has its ups and downs, I guess. And today I just thought it was was way too dramatic and unnecessary. I, I, I very, very frustrated at that decision. Did adamantly disagree with it. Um, and yeah, that, that those are the reasons why. So that was one thing. Now, Matt Veerling gets the start in center field and makes a really bad play in center field that costs Erod two runs. And then it's not an error because baseball... And then everything kind of went downhill from there. But we're going to talk about that because I, I also, we have given Veerling credit for being a plus defender so far this season. But there's one big difference in today's game defensively versus what he's been doing this year defensively. One massive difference. That's very kind of like obvious in plain, like the best place to hide is in plain sight. Okay. We'll get to that right after I tell y'all about our friends over at Bird Dogs. Bird Dogs shorts, just apparel, absolutely rock. Uh, they they fit incredibly. I look better and feel better when I'm wearing my Bird Dog shorts that they sent all the hosts. We got a couple of pairs, uh, and they are instantly like my favorite pair of shorts that I own. They have stretchy fabric that make your legs not only look great, which is obviously a massive plus, but they're the comfiest shorts I own. They are comfier than any other pair of shorts or pants that I currently own. I I, I got them, wore them out on the golf course. They were they're instantly my favorite golfing shorts. And then wore my other pair the day after when I was just kind of lounging around. And they were still awesome. They're, they're versatile is really the word for them. They give me the freedom to wear Again, one pair out on the golf course or at work or on a date or just lounging around at home. Like, it doesn't matter. They really do fit, like, any occasion. They look great and they feel great. Um, so, yeah, they are the best. And I am instantly kind of in love with them. <laughs> Say something, it, it, it's 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 awesome. So, go to birddogs.com slash MLB. When you enter the promo code Locked On MLB, they will throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti style tumbler with every order. Again, that's BirdDogs.com/slash Locked On MLB and use promo code Locked On MLB. All right, everybody, welcome back here, segment two, Locked On Tigers. I appreciate y'all for tuning in. Thanks for making us your first listen every single day. Shout out to the everydayers that do tune in. Every single day. We will be back tomorrow. Tomorrow's a mailbag. Mailbag show. Woo. So uh, if you're listening on YouTube, you can put any of your questions in the comment section here uh, on this episode. And if you're not listening on YouTube and you're listening on audio, then uh, I will tweet out a mailbag tweet on the Locked on Tigers Twitter account at Locked on Tigers. And you can reply to that tweet with your question or DM the show account. DM me. Doesn't matter long as you find a way for me to see it, I will do my best to answer it. Okay, so that's going to be tomorrow. We just we had three off days in a seven-day stretch. 
Uh, so we took the last two off days, kind of the general stuff. We're going to take the next one and, and answer y'all's questions. Okay, cool. So back to this game. Matt Veerling was in center field in this ball game, and Matt Veerling's defensive numbers on the season are pretty solid. Uh, he's a positive contributor. He has positive defensive runs saved, positive outs above average. His arm strength is good. His outfield jump has been pretty good. Uh, he, he's been a, a – and he's fast as all heck, right? He's been a pretty big plus defender in the outfield. The problem is he has been a big-time plus defender in right field. Now, if you played baseball, you are well aware that the difference between right field and center field is incredible. They could not be more different. Uh, Well, they probably could be more different. Catcher and right field, probably a little bit more of a difference. But they are incredibly different and Matt Veerling last season in a pretty decent sample size in center field for the Philadelphia Phillies was a minus defender in center field pretty comfortably negative DRS OAA doesn't matter was a negative defender his outfield jump numbers were way worse so in the second inning of this ball game Ball is was it Austin Hedges crushed a ball about 400 feet to dead center. It was catchable. It was playable. uh, Even though it was a home run in like 11 parks, not a home run in Comerica. Even with the walls moved in, very very playable. And if he catches it, uh, the Tigers shave off two runs from this outing and go into the third and go into the fourth inning in a zero zero game still instead of a two nothing game. And the ball he takes a horrible route, Veerling just terrible route uh, and then the, the fly out afterwards he he kind of misread as well and kind of had to jump even though it was hit almost right to him uh, but this play took a really bad route tried to just throw the glove out there ball popped in and out of the mitt two runs and it, it's baseball so it's not an error uh, it, it, which it, it's one of those things where by rule I actually agree that it's not an error but the rule is dumb does that make sense? Like it, it, it's it, by by definition that isn't an error. I don't think, uh, but it should be an error. And the definition I I think is dumb and want to challenge all the time. Uh, but regardless, bad play cost the Tigers a couple of runs uh, in a game that again ended up being eight nothing. We'll talk about how it got uncompetitive late later because I have thoughts on that as well. But I just wanted to highlight the difference of like, yes, Matt Verling's numbers have actually been pretty solid defensively. There is a huge, huge difference between right and center field at any level. Nonetheless, a Comerica Park outfield major league level. So that is is what I attribute a lot of that to. I would... I, I like Veerling in right field. I really do. He's made some good plays. He covers a lot of ground. He, he has a good arm for, for a right fielder. That's important for corner outfield. I, I, I like him out there. I'm not losing over sleep, losing sleep over, wow. I don't know where I got the word over from. I'm not losing sleep waiting for Matt Veerling to go back to center field anytime soon. Because I don't think he's a positive defender there, even though I've sung the, sung the praises of him defensively throughout this season. So I just want to make that crystal clear as well. Uh, Rich Hill dominated in this ball game. 
one hit, one hit for the Detroit Tigers. You know, Rich Hill's just so that that's infuriating. Like, I'm not sure there's a more frustrating. How do I want to word this? I'm not sure if you were to to rank the frustration level behind getting one hit shut out against every pitcher in the game of baseball, Rich Hill would be very high up there. It's got to be one of the most frustrating feelings in the world watching 88 and 70 mile an hour pitches just absolutely dice through your major league lineup. It's infuriating. Um, so that wasn't great. I I do understand that it, baseball is timing-based. So to the people that are just like, he throws 87, you should be able to crush him no matter what. You're a major leaguer. That's like not how it works, right? Like he offsets it with stuff that goes 70 miles an hour, 68 miles an hour. So 88 timing-wise looks a lot different. But the point remains, this dude's in like the 10th percentile and whiff percentage going into the game and had seven strikeouts. He had eight whiffs through like the first two innings against the Tigers. He's in the bottom 10% in all of baseball in swinging miss and whiffs and swings and misses. He, he he went like three and two thirds his last outing. And look, like I'm not Rich Hill's a a solid major league pitcher still, like at 43 years old. And hats off to him, all the credit in the world uh, for being able to do that. He, he changes arm slots a lot. He messes with the timing a lot. Quick pitches you, slow pitches you. He does anything he can to to just mess with a hitter's timing. Uh, but he he had a four three ERA going into the game and has been getting re- hit really hard all season. And the Tigers just could not hit him, period. Then that's unacceptable. It's completely unacceptable. This was an awful, awful, awful offensive performance by this baseball team. Uh, two walks for Rich Hill. I think they had three on the game and then just the one hit. And the one hit was a Matt Veerling infield single to start off the baseball game. So if you remove... The first A-B of the game, Rich Hill threw a no-hitter against you. Actually, they would have thrown a combined no-hitter against you just total. If it wasn't for the first batter of the game just being fast. Tough. Um, I have a lot more to say still. A.J. Hinch ejection. uh, I think that kind of pumped a lot of people up. Uh, A.J. gets... Some heat from uh, some of the fan base for being whatever, like, I don't know, too monotone. Maybe I disagree with this take, but this is how some people feel. Just like, oh, he's like too laid back or he doesn't have that like fiery edge to him. So seeing him go out there and get tossed, uh, maybe to try and light a fire under this team was good to see. I'm, I'm, I'm pro manager ejections. Go and get tossed all the time. I absolutely love it. Uh, now it didn't do the Tigers any good. They looked just as bad after the ejection as they did before, but that was at least a noteworthy thing that happened. I, you actually, you should go on Twitter and find the video. Uh, that they, that there was a lot of hot miking. that uh, they actually, the, the mic behind home plate picked up most of the back and forth between AJ and the umpire, uh, like a solid, like minute of it. You can kind of make out almost everything that is said. And, uh, yeah, AJ basically just said something along the lines of, like, Haas was coming back to the dugout. Like, Hinch was making a comment to Haas and making a comment to the dugout. And then he got tossed. And AJ went out there and put his finger right in the dude's face, right, at old school umpire or old school manager. And, uh, and he said, 
You made it about you. And that's a bar. That is an absolute bar. I love it. And again, didn't change anything in this ball game. This was an, uh, a dreadful performance by the Detroit Tigers. Offensively, defensively, most of their pitching, it was all bad. Uh, but it's at least nice to know that AJ still's got that in him. All right. Okay. Let's get on to, I do want to talk about Tyler Alexander. Uh, even though he was in the grand scheme of things, not a very vital uh, or, or big storyline in this ball game. I have a lot to say about this bullpen and about Tyler Alexander specifically and his current status on the team. And then we'll end the show by talking about Jonathan scope uh, who also I have a lot to say about, but first I got to tell y'all about our friends over at so rare so rare is awesome they're one of our new sponsors it's a revolutionary fantasy baseball game and marketplace transforming fans into owners with officially licensed digital cards featuring players from across all 30 teams unlike other fantasy baseball platforms so rare truly so rare managers truly own their fantasy experience you can collect buy sell and compete with playing cards against global opponents to win rewards, win or lose, it doesn't matter. You still own your cards, and there's no cost to play. The more you win, the more you advance. You can get more powerful cards, increase and, and access next-level competition. It truly is awesome. It's one-of-a-kind. Revolutionary is absolutely the word. I am beyond hooked on it after not even knowing what it was before they were the sponsor of the show. Now they have Juan Soto and Julio Rodriguez in their commercials and they're everywhere. And it's cool to see because the more people, the more fun it's going to get. And it's already so, so fun. So head to SoRare.com slash LockedOn. That's S-O-R-A-R-E.com to draft your team of free player cards. Set your lineup and start competing today to win epic rewards. Again, that's SoRare.com slash LockedOn to start playing today. All right, everybody, welcome back to segment three, third and final segment here, Locked On Tigers. I appreciate y'all for tuning in as always. So I, I have, let's start with Tyler Alexander, okay? Because this is a, something that is not going to be talked about a lot by uh, like, like mainstream media or whatever in after this baseball game because it's objectively not one of the bigger stories in the game. But Tyler Alexander has an ERA of almost seven on the season. Okay. And going into this year, if you were a listener during spring training, you are well aware that Tyler Alexander, I think in the spring kind of went from going into the year in the winter, you were like, oh yeah, Tyler Alexander will be in this bullpen. That's near a lock. And then the spring happened and we talked about on the show, like, yeah, he'll still probably make it, but like, it wouldn't be the most shocking thing in the world if he didn't. And now he has a seven ERA on, on the season. Now, role within the team is always very important to me when talking about someone's statistics, okay, and, and performance in general. And we'll talk about the same thing with scope here in a second. But Tyler Alexander, if he had the highest ERA on the team, high CRA in the bullpen. It just that alone is whatever. Somebody has to have the highest DRA. And if you had to pick anyone to have the highest DRA on your team, it's going to be the low leverage innings eater. And that is Tyler Alexander's role on this baseball team at this point. I think Mason Englert is the high leverage innings eater. 
I think that that's been proven a few times over now. And Tyler Alexander is mostly going into ball games that are on the verge of getting out of hand. Either the Tigers up big, which hasn't happened too much over the last couple of years, or the other team, again, he came in, it was a 4 nothing ball game, but the offense had no life to it. The, let's not waste our, our grade A, A-plus relievers, and, and, and we're going to put Tyler Alexander out there. So if you had to pick someone, again, to have the highest ERA of your eight relievers, it's going to be the low leverage innings eater. That being said, a 4 nothing ball game is a lot different than an 8 nothing ball game. And the defense did him no favors, okay? Jonathan Scope, who again we will talk about in a second, was dreadful in this baseball game in pretty much all facets of the sport. And he made two plays in the field that he should have had and cost the team outs. That's not on Tyler Alexander. But again, even beyond this game, going into the game, his ERA was still like six and a half. It's not like you had an ERA of three and then this game happened and now it's seven. So you want your low leverage innings eater to still be able to stop the bleeding. You still want that player, okay, the starter didn't go as far as we wanted. We want, we're going to throw out, you know, we're down big, we're down four or five runs, but there's still six innings, five innings, four innings, of offense that we are going to have the opportunity to score on. Maybe we shouldn't throw out someone who is, again, approaching a seven ERA in the second half of May. Now is where we're at in the season. I'm not saying Tyler Alexander is getting DFA'd tomorrow or anything like that. And again, I'm not going to get like red in the face mad over our low leverage innings eater reliever. But... I also don't want anyone in this bullpen to be automatic. The game is going to get out of hand when they go take the mound. And unfortunately, and I say unfortunately because Tyler Alexander is a cool dude that has given this team a lot out of the pen over the last three years. Unfortunately, this year, that has not been the case whatsoever. And with more and more dudes that are able to go multiple innings, He's a lefty as well. I understand that you want to play matchups and whatnot. If he even has a four and a half, a four eight ERA, he's going to provide value to this ball club. But the longer it sits over six and a half, the more and more I think by the end of May, if this doesn't get any better, he might not be the low leverage innings eater for very much longer. So something to keep an eye on there, even though it's not like a vital role to the daily success of this baseball team. It's just something that I noticed in this one. Uh, And again, he took the bump and the game got completely out of hand. And they had their two best relievers available. If this was even a two-run game, Foley and Lang pitch, and then it stays close. And the Tigers still lose. But they give themselves a chance to win it late. And instead, yet a four-run seventh, Top of the seventh. So now in a nine-inning game, a third 
of your offensive opportunities, the seventh, eighth, and ninth, were all just eight to nothing uncompetitive baseball. That's a third of the game that you're just out of it. And you want to eliminate as many of those as possible. Jonathan Scope, another person that uh, is kind of in a similar boat in as far as the conversation revolving around the future of him being on the baseball team. Uh, Jonathan Scope is still a plus defender. This game was was not. He was certainly not. He had a ball go under his glove on a ground ball and then just dropped a pretty routine double play where he at least would have gotten one out. I don't remember who was on the base paths there, I guess. But um, he was really, really bad in the field in this game. And he has been just, unfortunately, again, unbelievably bad at the plate for over a calendar year now. And we've said this before, but it's not just the major league level. He went and played uh, in a in a winter league, and he was bad there. He played in the WBC and was bad there. There is one redeeming quality to Jonathan Scope's offense. I want to see if you can guess it. Say say your guess out loud. What's the one stat that Jonathan Scope is good at this season at the plate? Okay, your guess. Great, that's a great guess. Proud of you. Uh, the answer is. Hitting lefty relievers. That is it. That is the only positive asset he has had at the plate this entire season. When looking at his righty-lefty splits, they're both bad. Well, I shouldn't say that. When looking at his righty-lefty splits against starters, they're both bad. They're both sub-600 OPSs, okay? He he is not good against left-handed starters. He's not good against right-handed starters. It doesn't matter. But... When you expand that to not just starters, but all righty and lefties, his OPS against lefties is high. And the reason for that is because as a starter, his OPS is awful, but as a pinch hitting substitute, his OPS is over 800 on the season. So the only thing that he is providing this team right now is plus defense, which again, on Wednesday, he didn't do that. And a pinch hit option against lefties. That doesn't sound like, even at its best, even on days where he's not making two errors in an inning, at its, I think they only counted one of those as an error. Even at his best, that is not a profile that should like solidify someone a major league roster spot on a competitive baseball team. And again, then you have days like today where even the things that he's in the plus category at, he did not do well. Defense and hitting lefty relievers. Didn't do that today. I don't think he faced a lefty reliever. And he had, by my count, two errors in the field. But by baseball's count, one error in the field. It genuinely would not surprise me. And I know that a lot of people have already said this immediately following the game. And you're seeing this at, at you know, on, on Thursday now. But... I don't think it would shock anybody if Jonathan Scope was off this baseball team like in the next 48 hours at this point. And for me, I'm here. I know that, like, again, I read my own comments and whatnot. I understand that a lot of people have been saying, why is Jonathan Scope still on this baseball team since spring training? Nonetheless, since the beginning of May or last week or mid-April picket date, it doesn't matter. Uh, I know that a lot of people have been on that train for a while 
and I've always been uh, like I, I've I've understood why. And uh, I, I mean, in spring, we talked about the possibility of him getting DFA'd uh, b- before opening day, even and not even making the opening day roster. But I am now at a point where I'm like, let's get this show on the road. I I it's unfortunate as well. I've said that a lot this episode. Uh, but this was an unfortunate day of baseball. The Tigers got destroyed. Um, it, it, it sucks because for two years there in a, in a time period where the Tigers really sucked and needed offense, Jonathan scope was it. He like, he was some nights, the only person that showed up offensively. And it's not like he was some stellar, you know, like 1000 OPS guy, but on a team that was full of five and 600 OPS hitters, he was the one league average hitter with good power. The one. So I greatly appreciate what Jonathan Scope gave this team in, in 2020 and certainly in 2021 when the team greatly exceeded expectations. But it, it's been over a calendar year of this level of production now. And... Again, at his best, he is providing you things that, again, even even when all things are, are are clicking and he's really doing those two things well, just being good at defense at second base and hitting left-handed relievers when you're a pinch hitter should not guarantee you a roster spot in today's day and age of baseball. So I'm there. I'm with y'all now. I'm ready to move on. Uh, thank you for, for what you've done for the last couple of years, but, uh, I, I think, I think it's probably time. And I think, uh, at this point, I would be shocked if he was on this baseball team on June 1st. When's Memorial day. That's gotta be relatively close. Yeah. We're going to check and see when Memorial day is. And then what is it? The 29th. Okay. So 29th versus June 1st, there's only like three days difference there. Same premise. I, I, I think, I would be surprised if he was on the team by by June 1st. That would genuinely surprise me, and I'd honestly probably have an issue with it. But we'll see. Okay? All right. Uh, we didn't even talk about Eduardo Rodriguez. I had so much to say about this game. Uh, I, I, I really – we didn't even really get to anything. Eduardo, look, really quickly here. This is going to be a long episode. I'm really sorry, but uh, – this this was not like some disaster game. And again, like you could very easily, Matt Veerling makes a catch that he should have made. And instantly this becomes a much different story. Uh, but this was a game where it wasn't like his, he was missing by like a foot. It wasn't like his command was awful. He was missing by like three inches. And that was infuriating because he's just barely missing the zone over and over and over again. The umpiring was really frustrating. Not that it was like awful. Again, he wasn't making like terrible calls the entire game, but it did feel like every single 50, 50 ball went the pirates way and didn't go the tigers way. And that was what, that was what was frustrating about the umpiring in this ball game and about our water Rodriguez's just, I almost said tenure uh, day on the mound. <laughs> He was really close to the strike zone, but just missing. And then on all the 50-50 pitches, just didn't really have any calls go in his favor. 
and it seemed like Rich Hill had a lot of calls go in his favor. But uh, I don't think that it was like the worst umpired game I'd ever seen either. It was just a lot of 50-50 balls that didn't go our way. Um, and a lot of singles given up. The, the Pirates had like 15, 16 base runners, and I want to say 12 or 13 of those were singles. Just some days it's just not your day. That's what we'll chalk this up to. Uh, now, you have a really, really, really fun stretch. We'll talk about this a little bit more tomorrow when we have more time. Uh, but Nationals, Royals, White Sox, your next three series. You really could make a run. You could. Are you up for it? Let's find out. Thanks for making Locked On Tigers your first listen. Every single day, we are free and available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Shout out to the everydayers that do tune in. Every single day, we'll be back tomorrow with a mailbag episode. Mailbag, mailbag, mailbag. So, if you have a question uh, that you want answered about the Tigers, me, anything, don't really care, I will see it and try to get through as many as we can. Okay, but that's what's going to be our uh, our Friday show, going taking you into the weekend against the Washington Nationals. Cool? Put them in the YouTube comment section. Put them on Twitter. DM them. Reply to the tweet. I don't care. Just find a way for uh, me to be able to read it. Cool. Peace and love. Going to therapy's dope. I'm so sorry for the long episode. We'll be back tomorrow. Go Tigers, baby.